Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. My guest today is Jason. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. I'm back again. Today's topic, the second season of Loki. It is set in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, sharing continuity with the films of the franchise. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. You know, on that, what you just said there, you are back. I think this is the most you've been on the show the whole time that I've been doing it. Whether it be Power Rangers, Marvel, you've been coming back more than ever. Yeah, I don't know. I've been been pushing the Power Rangers thing on you, so I guess... Yeah, that's that sort of roped me in. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's things are very close. Fine. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. I think in, in a succession of not necessarily consecutive episodes, but I think yeah, just in a time frame. This is yeah, a lot of sounds like comics. That's okay. We won't make it a thing. I'll take and a break. Stay stay tuned. <laughs> well, you say that. Stay tuned for our take on Power Rangers Cosmic Fury. That will be that will be coming. You know I thought you were. I thought you were going to say Power Rangers Turbo, and I was like, "Oh, is he? Is he putting it out there?" But that's all right. I've said before, it's a conversation for another time. We're doing it again. We're getting caught up talking about Power Rangers. This is our review of Loki season two. So that's enough of Power Rangers. We did a review of that first season. We both really enjoyed it. It's one of the best. Marvel shows that they've put out there. It's up I mean, there I, with One Division. Am I remembering your take incorrectly? I know yeah, I really well, enjoyed was, that first season. This is, in summary, this is how I felt about it. Like, started off really, I was like, this is fantastic. Oh my God. And then it just got real wacky. Um, I think a lot of the issues I had with that first season was just sort of like this, the season, the story seemed really unfocused. It didn't really it didn't seem like it knew where the hell it was going but by the end of it it was like hey look they've won me over by the way it ended um one of the few mcu like marvel studios shows disney plus shows to sort of have like hey look they knocked the ending out um it just kind of just got real wacky in the middle but overall i did like it i did like it was looking forward to what was coming next and that's i guess where we are here but it wasn't one that i can say I loved. It wasn't a. It wasn't up there. Again, MCU shows peaked at WandaVision. <laughs> then have we've had issues since? But uh, yeah. Okay. Well, to be fair, it is a long time since we reviewed season one. No, no, so, yeah, that's, I thought, that's, yeah, I thought you I mean, had a better time with that one. I mean, you know, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and that first season of Loki was very timey wimey. It was like Doctor Who meets Marvel. So I enjoyed. All of that and all the variants of Loki, Richard E. Grant, you know, there was so much to enjoy. Like Alligator Loki, that first season was bonkers. But what we're getting in this second season, and it's the first live action Disney Plus Marvel show to get a second season as well, which is pretty, pretty interesting, but it's different. And we will, we will get into it, but it definitely is different. And whether it's, you know, you're saying that it didn't really have much direction beyond the first couple of episodes in that first season. They definitely know what they're doing with this second season. Yes, a lot of what I yes. liked from that first season is stripped away. You know, most people I spoke to preferred the second season, but we we will get into it. The second season, 
debuted on Disney Plus on October 5th, 2023 and ran for six episodes until November 9th as part of Phase 5 of the MCU. The critical reception was generally favourable with praise for its conclusion, its musical score and Loki's character arc. And the second season picks up in the aftermath of the shocking season finale where Loki finds himself in a battle for the soul of the Time Variance Authority. Julie Benson and Aaron Moorhead were hired to direct the second season after Marvel was impressed with their work on Moon Knight. You did that review with me, didn't you? I did. I think the only one I didn't do with you was was She-Hulk, wasn't it? That's right, She-Hulk in the yeah. first season of I Am Groot. But other than that, okay, good to know. <laughs> other than that, I've done hundreds of these. <laughs> but other than that, you've done all all the Marvel shows. Well, okay, so they obviously did a good job over there. They brought them on to work on, on this show. Tom Hiddleston, I mean, really is fantastic. I mean, going back to before we even got the very first Thor film, he auditioned for Thor didn't get the part, but instead was cast as Loki. And he, again, you know, what we got in that first season, what we're getting here, it's a much quieter performance from him in this season. It's a very strong tour de force performance from him, I thought, especially in the quieter moments. Yeah, look, he's, he's. I mean, he, he's fan, he is fantastic. He is great. I think a lot of the... I think a lot of the main struggles with that first season and not to knock Hiddleston's performance, but like what we were getting there, we've got a, a Loki from a different time period. Like a lot of progression that his character had gone through that we had seen was sort of like pushed aside. We had him plucked out of 2012 when that first Avengers movie came out. Then that character from then was shown like, what was to happen in his life and we got this kind of warped alternate version of loki that again didn't have that characterization was kind of heavy-handed provided to him it was kind of a weird adjustment kind of looking at him that way and but we got used to it by the by the end of those six episodes we were there with this new version of loki i think it definitely benefited just being able to jump straight into that into this i didn't have any gripe i knew where we were with the loki character this new version of him has now sort of cemented itself if that makes sense as like okay cool this is like our core primary loki that we're following and i kind of understood his whole kind of backwards backstory yeah me too I think that helped and and yeah. yeah again tom hiddleston just like delivering when he has those quite a like he's no longer that dramatic over you know like it just I'll say like a Shakespearean kind of villain character. He is he's this guy and he's he's got his he's got his tone about him. He's got his one liners. There are moments where it's like he does get to you know flex a little bit as as this like god of mischief type figure, you know, with the horns and all the green magic powers. I feel like we got a lot more of that in this season, which is great to see as well because then you get to actually feel Oh yes, it's Loki. Well, He's that's, there. He's still yeah, there. That's some of the criticisms on that first season that he just he didn't seem powerful enough. 
you know, people had well, issue was... with that. And we're getting more of a sense of his power in this. But I forgot, I completely forgot that he is an alternate, he's a time variant version of Loki who was created in a new timeline during Avengers Endgame. And as you said, it, it went back to Avengers in 2012. I forgot all that, if I'm honest, going into season two. But it well, very much I mean, was was there in that first season. It was always a weird thing because it was like this character, really. And again, you got to remember, like he didn't experience Ragnarok. He didn't experience the death of Odin, the death of his mother, um, his, I guess, like the peace made and reconciliation with with his brother Thor. Um, he didn't experience his own sacrifice with, you know, like uh, talking about like the the Tesseract, the Space Stone with Thanos and all of that. Like none of that happened. We've just got this guy that literally just terrorized New York City and, and you know, like was beaten by the Hulk, lost to the Avengers. And instantly from that moment, without having any chance to sort of reconcile with that, plucked out, go. But then he got a recap. So anyway, that was that was last season. But that is this character still. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, he again, we, we both agree then he's solid in this. Yeah, he gets so right. much to do. But that first season very much is an ensemble. It's Loki's show, but we're getting, you know, these new characters, these new supporting characters introduced. I really enjoyed that in the first season. And a favorite, mine and many people's, Sylvie, played by Sophia DiMartino. Sylvie, what a fantastic new character she is a variant of loki who broke the timeline through killing he who remains in a misguided act of revenge that's what we get in that first season and she was absolutely fantastic i loved her so much in that first season here she's working as a cashier at a mcdonald's in a branch timeline in 1982 broxton oklahoma Yes, towards the end of the season, she gets to do a little bit of something, has a bit of action. But for the most part, I'm watching season two asking, where's Sylvie? I'm missing Sylvie. You know what? I feel like her, her motivations and what she wants is a lot clearer in this. Like from the get go, it's like, look, she wants to. And this is obviously on the back of the end of season one as well, as things were discovered there. But like going into this, like we get to know she just wants the freedom. I mean, she is a variant with everything, all the rules and stuff that are in place that, you know, like he who remains had put in meant that her existence isn't allowed pretty much. Timelines, actual true people's lives, like what she stands for is, no, mate, like all those variants, all those varying timelines and branches deserve to exist and live and all of that. And as a result of that, she's aware of like, I just want to exist as a variant. Never mind all the crazy mumbo jumbo that's all related to how I need to exist. But when it comes down to it, I'm just happy with the simple life, like working at a McDonald's, you know, like just making a living, doing the human thing, whatever. That's all she wants, just the simple shit. And it's like, I don't know, I I felt more, again, that first season with her character, it was like, who is she? What's she trying to do? Like, she's a Loki, but she's not. 
Are they falling in love? It's weird. There was a lot of weird stuff going it on. Was, in this, it was, but it was in, like, it was interesting, and it worked so because Loki's a character that you can absolutely buy would love himself. So that all worked <laughs> yeah. for me. But you're right. It is, with it is weird. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you though. I get it. Like motivations are clear, but at the same time though, and I guess you know she did kill he who remains, and that's what she set out to do. And she wants to work in a McDonald's. It's fine, I guess, but I just miss the Sylvie that we got in that first series. I mean, you can ask. Did we got action from her? We got yeah, it was the end. We got some action. Did you get to try or did you pick up any of the sweet and sour sauce from McDonald's? Um, I did. That's like sweet and sour sauce. <laughs> I mean, that's it. Yeah, it's literally just it was, the, the label on the top. The yeah. <laughs> Um, fun bit of um, fun, <laughs> fun bit of marketing. But what I will say though, what I didn't know until today, I saw someone post this online. One of the main ingredients in not sweet and sour sauce, but specifically the McDonald's sweet and sour sauce, and that ingredient is apricot. That makes sense. It's pretty orange. Yeah, but you don't <laughs> normally get apricot in a sweet and sour sauce. But that's what they do in the McDonald's one. Anyway, that, that's enough about McDonald's, buddy. Hell. That's is I think you said McDonald's enough times that is it, is it, is it, uh, as if they something. need a shout out. Everyone's heard of. I'm not going to say it again. Um, who else do we Send have? Send us Big Macs. <laughs> Send us a basket of Big Macs. I'll heat them up. It's all good. Don't need to keep them warm. <laughs> Eugene Cordero is Casey, a TVA receptionist. And what we're getting in the season, which I did find fun. So, yes, he's playing Casey, but then he's also playing Frank Morris, a famous bank robber and Alcatraz yeah. escapee. So that was fun when we're finding, again, those characters from the first season living different lives. Yeah, and it's it's almost similar. Like, um, what did they do with Loki? That guy, I can't remember the guy's name, but he, he jumped out of that plane and disappeared after you know, pulling off some sort of heist or something. It was yeah. like a, a real-world person. He's a real person, famous guy. Well done. And the joke was that, like, now oh, you know that guy kind of looks like Tom Hiddleston, <laughs> and then they kind of tied it in. I like that they've like applied like a real world thing, especially when we're we're messing with like time travel shenanigans, so we can visit different periods. There was a bit of a question sort of left at the end of that first season of like, okay, if because it was revealed that you know like all of these characters, every any everyone who works at the TVA, they were plucked from a timeline somewhere. They had real lives. They just have no memory of it. So it was almost like, yeah, it was just fun doing that with with his character, though. Like, I'll be honest, like when I go back and look at that first season and, you know, you've got all the supporting cast. When we get to this season, it's like all those all these characters kind of come together and it's like, oh, I didn't realize these were like our core characters. I just kind of thought they were all just. You know, like, oh, that's that guy that does the thing. You know, just like, oh, that's that that one guard does that thing. But it's like, oh no, no, like these are these are like a really close core unit of people. If that well, makes because, sense. You no, know, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean that in the first season though, they were scattered. So yeah. they're working together but apart, whereas they literally have to come together in in this well, season. You know, like, like where the, the, the first season left off. 
and it, it, you know, kind of implied we didn't know what this season was going to be. And it was like, wait, if no one has any memory of Loki, like what's going to happen? So I had no like impression of, oh, you know, like he's going to get the, you know, the team's going to come back together. I was like, because there was no team. Like, there were, so I kind of liked that they kind of made these these supporting characters sort of more integral to, because like if you were like, I'll be honest, if you said to me. Oh, you know, like name the main characters of of Loki or the important characters. I never would even start with Casey. Like he probably wouldn't even be on my list. Same with like, you know, like Hunter B one five. Like it's like she was prominent in that first season, probably more so than Casey. But in this season, I'm like, I would say yes, she is. But before this, I'd be like, yeah, no, nah, it's Loki, Sylvie, and you know, Owen Wilson. <laughs> like, like it's them, and then. I definitely get. I get. Yeah, I did see that it more of a trio, but yeah, it is more of an ensemble where they're bringing them all together this time around. Again, is is good. You know, back to Casey. I recognize the actor from even though his animation, he voices Rutherford in Star Trek Lower Decks. So I knew the actor from that, and then he's done various various comedies as well. But you've you've said him, Owen Wilson. He's back. With his mustache, with his wig, <laughs> you know, I didn't realize when I watched that first season that he was wearing a wig. I just thought maybe, you know, Owen Wilson just had his long locks cut, but no, he's wearing a wig. Yeah, I mean, of course we we have him back, and wasn't he just like the shining star of that that first season? And again, going into this, I was, I, I mean, I wasn't. I was assuming they were going to stop it, but I was concerned. I was like, if they set this up, this whole season where it's like all the relationship that was built between Mobius and Loki in that first season, if they threw that out the window to have this guy be like, I don't know who you are. Like, I have no memory of you. We have, we don't have a friendship or relationship. And the whole season would, was about Loki, like trying to convince him who he is and what he needs to do and win him over and all that kind of stuff. That would have sucked, even if it was just a couple episodes of that. I'm so glad they jumped straight into the whole time slipping. Yeah, me too. Rubbish. That, yeah, that me too. Sign, kind of sorted that issue. So, well, season two the, premiere, he's already explaining mm. like this is what's going on, and oh, so good, so good. Owen Wilson, <laughs> Mobius, like, also, yeah, okay. also portraying Don, a jet ski salesman, a single father from 2022 <laughs> Cleveland, Ohio. Not about yeah. jet ski, and we knew we liked jet skis, you know, since seeing him in that that first season. But you're right; they don't waste any times. But then they can't really because there's six episodes. They don't have time to have any episodes be filler. So everything, everything needs to count. It is. It's 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 go go go. And look with the jet ski. Like I think we all knew. I mean, we saw like promotional material and stuff with him sitting on a jet ski, whether it was actually officially released or whatever. But we didn't have any context to it. We didn't know what was going on. So I think we all knew that it was coming. But we still had that question of who is he? What was his life before? I swear to God, that episode where, like the second last one, which I think did slow down because of all these flashbacks, but it was fun to explore all these characters and who they were, even just briefly. I swear if this was, like, I mean, I was getting, like, flashbacks to lost and you know how i love to bring that shot whenever but i'm like if they wanted to they dead set could have dragged this shit out <laughs> and given every character their own episode maybe a handful of episodes focusing on their characters before the tv this could have been a thing 
This could have been a I'm whole... glad they didn't, but you're right. They absolutely <laughs> That would have been have... network television at its best. <laughs> but they gave it an episode. That was enough. But in the first episode of the season, we get introduced to a new character, OB. What oh. a great introduction. Kihu Kwan, data from Goonies. I know he's on other things, everything, everywhere, all at once. He was a stunt coordinator on X-Men 2000. I know he's done other things, but come on, data from Goonies. And now, <laughs> OB from Loki, season two. What a breath of fresh air. What a ray of sunshine this guy is. Honestly, 100%. he just lights up any scene that he is in. He delivers most lines, almost every line, with such enthusiasm. I love it. I'm I'm I so glad that he's in the show. Just perfect. It's like like they've created a character. This character has such a unique persona, personality. I don't know if they're the same words. Um, you know, just character about him, the way he speaks, the way he delivers, his knowledge, what he does. There's a purpose to his character. Um, a lot of that is explaining things, but also solving issues that have been presented and workarounds, but then also there to sort of comment and, you know, like walk us through when the issues continue to arise or develop, but just everything he's doing, like there's something unique about him. He's not just, you know, they could have just had some really smart guy who knows shit and says stuff, but this guy is Anytime he's talking about stuff, it's it's a show. It's like a, I mean, it literally is a performance, but it's it's fantastic. He is great, the great addition. I want to somehow make sure we see him again. Like, I mean, I, I don't know how, you know, the TVA may factor into the future of the MCU, but if Ouroboros, OB, whatever you want to call him, if if they can somehow bring him back, because give me more of him. Is fantastic. Even if it's him coming back as AD Doug, a theoretical physics teacher <laughs> at Caltech and failed science fiction author from 1994, Pasadena, California. Whether it's AD no, Doug, OB, yes, give me yeah. more. <laughs> give me more. Oh, so, just what, what did he say? It was like when he when he went on his little journey to help Loki out, and you know, like the the guy, the actual guy that he was. And he like he'd been doing it for a few years, and he was like, "Oh, my wife left me. I lost my job, but I'm doing fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's okay." Yeah, so positive. I mean, the reason why they they introduced his character is that what they wanted is for the TVA to seem massive, to seem bigger than we got in that first yeah. season. I mean, it's great adding one more character. And there's some other characters that they add as well, but I don't know if they necessarily make the TVA seem bigger in the second season, but he's definitely a great addition. Yeah, well, I mean, it makes sense that there's people that we never met. So, I mean, that does that does help. But I think after they do that, they, like you said, they kind of just kind of keep it to the core, <laughs> the core people that we know already. So, And they do kill a lot of employees. In this season, you know what? Makes and yes, and there's that, there's that scene where they're in the cube and it's getting smaller oh, and smaller. Yeah, they don't need to. They, they don't need to show the end result because we all know what's going to happen. 
So it's pretty dark for, for a Marvel show, really. Um, but, and they don't even need to see it, but you hear it, which maybe is worse. It's your imagination can fill, <laughs> fill in the gaps. Yeah. But there's a couple of like, other... Other characters like we've got um, Liz Carr as Judge Gamble, a uh, TVA judge who is part of the TVA council, and there's some other members of the council as well. So they've padded out the TVA a little bit to make it seem as though it is bigger. Another character that gets to do less this time around, Gugu and Martha Raw as Ravona Renslayer. Remember how prominent she was in that first season? Yeah, I mean, look, she has. There's a there's enough time, I think, devoted to her. She gets to pull a few strings. When we get that, three, like, was it episode two where she's at the fair, or was it episode three? No, nah, it's episode three. So okay, so we get the, the episode. Fair, they've gone back in time. She's with Victor Timely, and we get to see that scene that was a post credit scene or mid credit scene. But Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania? Mm, yeah. I've seen that scene before. I don't know. She <laughs> just, she had so much more to do in that first movie. And then there was that twist with, with her character. But then where this season ends, she's going somewhere. Like So they're not forgetting about her, but she definitely yeah. gets to do as much this time around. I think she's definitely a passenger in this season and definitely there to serve the other characters around like her basically everything that I can sort of recount about her character in this season is about another character. So like, Oh, she is sent advised. She's told to leave the TVA book with a young, he who remains or Victor timely. Let's call him that. Yes. Cause it's not he. Yep. Sorry. Not he who remains Victor timely, a young Victor timely. So she plays her part there the stuff with Miss Minutes and her development into this, like, terrifying little AI little system. Like, she's there to sort of prop her up position. Okay, her. she does All some things. No, 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 but what <laughs> she's doing is for other characters. You're right, and yeah. And obviously yeah. the Miss Minutes stuff is more to set up further Victor Timely and position him for where... Loki and Mobius and Obi need him for all of that stuff that's coming. But then when she's not needed, she's she's not, you know, like they have a, you know, there's a bit of a, she's involved with a bit of a fight. Like she gets her some one-on-one time with Sylvie and then she's back at the TVA for a moment until not because she's then pruned and then we don't see her again until the closing moments of the season so you're right like she's she doesn't do much well she's, when she's there she serves some characters yes and there's not much more to her this season but you're right she's probably being positioned for something, something. else maybe or she's just in that wasteland place whatever they called it and that's it that's the end can she survive that or not who knows maybe she's stuck there forever well, she's there, <laughs> and then there's the purple light. So somebody is arriving. Who wears purple? Kang? I don't know. Could be a different character, but it could be. Wasn't the purple just that cloud thing? Is that what it was? I just saw purple. I yeah, thought, oh, she's like Richard E. Grant had to like go all Loki crazy on. I just think they've taken her off the board for now. 
they're going to use her at a later date. You know, you mentioned Miss Minutes. A lot creepier this time around. Once again, oh, yeah. voiced by Tara Strong. Super horny. Like she yes. is. Well, like, at one time, so we can... jealous of Renslayer and, you know, wants <laughs> yeah. to get rid of her because she wants Victor all to all to herself. I mean, she is a AI clock, but for us, she's a cartoon character, which is fun, <laughs> although she's sinister. But it's pretty fun, though, having this cartoon character just walking around the MCU. Mm-hmm. Voiced by, is... oh, again, yeah. just want to say it again, Tava Strong, like one of the Fantastic. best voice actors. And here she is in the show. But this season definitely took her from my interpretation of her being like, hey, look, she's that little cartoon mascot thing that the TV has to, holy shit, like, she might be, you know, we've seen AI sort of, you know, beings, villains in the in the MCU, you know, like from Ultron to, yeah, oh, well, that, you know, that, what's his name, the... Captain America, Hydra thingamabob guy. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of them. There's heaps. All the Stark, you know, creations, all of that. But this one, I don't know. Like, she's got a new, yeah, there's a whole new level of freaky there. Like, yeah, she's, she's scary. And I don't know. I did like the, um, there was a bit, I think maybe the, probably like the fifth episode, no, the fourth episode. And she's doing, like, she, t- she does like the, yeah, like, She's basically turned into a virus and she's taken over the TVA and it's like a little bit of a callback to Jurassic Park with a little Nedry thingy where she's like shaking her finger. Uh, 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 and then it's like, you need a password or whatever she says. And it's like, hey, I see what they're doing there. It was cool. I was going to say, I think I think we did touch on it last time, but she was inspired by Mr. DNA from Jurassic Park. So it's fun that they did that in the second season as well. You know what? That makes it even more glorious. All right, now, I've successfully referenced Lost and Jurassic Park in this review, so I think I'm good <laughs> I'm... if you want to start wrapping up. <laughs> we're, we're okay. Don't forget Power Rangers. I said we weren't going to bring it up again. We but, um... started immediately. We started immediately. So. <laughs> but that's it. Um, we should probably talk about, we've said his name a couple of times, Victor Timely, Jonathan Majors. I mean, he is the actor that Marvel was pointing everything towards. Kang the Conqueror was going to be this big threat, the first big threat we've had since Thanos. And, you know, behind the scenes, there's been things happening that has been doubting the future of this character, the future of Kang, or whether they recast. It's hard not to think of that when watching this show, because how much is what they already intended to have and how much has potentially changed. But for the time being, who knows? They could like stick with they could stick like with Jonathan Majors that. and just have him be but, this character yeah. all the way through. Just to move past that, like if if it turns out that, you know, he's not a great guy and there's charges against him and they go through it and all that kind of stuff and they don't want to con- continue on with the actor, just recast him. The character is still set up, or the characters, I should say. Like, there's there's stuff here. I mean, there's been all these whispers and rumors, and and look, that's all it is for now. Just rumors of Marvel's taking a new direction and moving away from the Kang character completely. And it's apparently not even related to the Jonathan Majors stuff. It's it's to do with like creative decisions and like, oh, they feel like they failed to launch this character. I'll tell you what's happened so far. And what made it easy for me watching 
this show and kind of forgetting about all the Jonathan Major stuff. The, the guy is just fantastic. He's a great actor, a great performer. I mean, he's he's doing dual roles. He every from He Who Remains to Kong the Conqueror or whichever one he was. Yeah, in Ant Man Quantumania. He was Kang. Or he was he was a Kang in Quantumania. Yeah. But still, you know, like not like the the Kang that is supposed to be the big bad. So it's like we haven't even met that one yet. And I'm looking forward to all of that. I feel like, you know, we're taking slow little steps. We're getting there. But I think they pull the plug in it now would be a grave disappointment. And it really would. And and what you're saying, you're right. Character is just Again, very unique. There's something about him that's different. Yeah. They're allowing Jonathan Mayers to just use acting chops and have fun. And he really is a good actor. So you're right. Put the baggage Mm. to one side. I mean, the the movie of his that we reviewed before all this came out was Creed 3. And, you know, directorial... Debut, Michael B. Jordan, not just the director, the star, like, you know, so much of Michael B. Jordan got put into Creed 3. But Jonathan Majors, like, he is fantastic. And when we reviewed that movie, we praised him so much. And then, obviously, everything that came out came out. But in the show, his performance, it really is, like, fantastic. Like, he can play this strong, dominant character that we've had, you know, whether it's in the MCU or elsewhere, I mean, we got his version of Kang in Quantumania. You know, he posed a threat there. But then we're getting this timid Victor Timely character. In the comics, I'm pretty sure he isn't a Kang variant. He's a completely different character altogether. But with what they're doing here for the for the show, it's working really well. And, yeah, I mean, he's fantastic <laughs> in, in the some, show. Just some great, some great moments. Like, number one, like his... You know, when he's doing his presentation and he basically is coming across as a bit of a con artist and you're still, you're thinking like, wait, is this guy just like fake, nothing, whatever? But then you you learn about like, oh, he, he's a, you know, like, he learns more about the TVA. He was given the book, so he has access to all this knowledge. The interaction with Miss Minutes and that awkward exchange of like, why did you never build me a body? And he's like, you're not talking about me like it's it that wasn't me i'm sorry and then you know when he's at the tva and he doesn't know who to trust and it's like he's getting pulled in every direction he's just like i don't know why i'm here and i don't know what you want from me and please stop yelling at me and then the hot cocoa thing hot cocoa like this just i don't know it's great it's just again just like just like ob like victor timely is a character that anytime he's on screen you're just like i'm fixated on you just you can just talk, even though it takes you twenty minutes to spit out a sentence. It's fine. <laughs> he's just—he's so good, man. Yeah, no, I—I I agree, like completely. Yeah, he is—he's fantastic in this. So I just have to wait and see what happens beyond this, and whether we'd even get a season three of Loki. Which, to be honest, I don't think we don't really need it. I don't think no, it's going to happen. I don't think. I think. Happened. I think Hiddleston could be done and that's okay on the back of this season and the fact that he's played this character since phase one of the mcu since that first thor movie he was one of the big villains of the first avengers movie i think he's done a lot in his time i think Mm -hmm. this could be a good way for it to end i can't remember 
the wording exactly. But what Loki says to his friends in that final episode, I really wish I'd written it down, but it's it mirrors exactly what he said to Odin in the first Thor movie. Yeah, like along the lines of like, uh, it's like I'm I'm doing this, like I'm I'm doing this for us, for you. That's right. Something yes. Like yeah. Something along oh, those yes. lines. That could be a little bit off, but something like that. And do you know what? Yeah. That was Hiddleston. He ad libbed that. Oh, and it came back. It came back. And it fits like perfectly. In terms of like, you know, like the character growth arc, even though, you know, we had the whole, you know, it was kind of jarring with the let's take this character back, remove what had happened, branch off, and then kind of, yeah, I, I, I talked to you all through it before. But even though that happened, it's still, you can still take him from when we first meet him as, you know, that adoptive Asgardian. So he's, you know, what is he, a White Walker or whatever the hell he's called? To is that what he is? I'm gonna go with that. No, he's a is a frost giant. Frost giant, sorry, frost giant. What the hell is a White Walker? I think that's Game of Thrones, or is that something? Shit. I don't know. It's, it's... I can't even watch Game of Thrones. What the hell? <laughs> but it's um is a is a frost giant. That's what it is. Sounded cold. Sounded cold. Sounded correct. Frost giant. That's it. So from all that time, you know, meeting him there to his journey to you know basically like. You know, he's sitting in that bar with with Sylvia, and he's saying, you know, he finally spits it out. It's just like, I just want to be with my friends, and it's like, well, man, this guy has really come a long way. Yeah, so, you know, like just to essentially become like, you know, do the ultimate sacrifice, and then to take on take on a responsibility that it's like, oh well, you know, he's pretty much ends up. Trap. It's very poetic. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which... I don't know if you're ready to talk details about that yet. I don't know if you want to actually go through the story of this season, but I mean, it's poetic and it's, you know, like there's so much to it. However, it is kind of out of nowhere. And I don't know if it really makes sense, but it doesn't take away the joy that I got watching this. But again, I don't know if you're ready to talk about. No, no, I, I am. I am ready. I mean, this is a season that's made up of six episodes. We've kind of touched on most episodes, you know, sometimes by talking about the the characters, but we can talk about the end. So we can talk about what you're alluding to. To there, I mean, I do, I do buy it, and and the the reason why is that although you know we're experiencing a season across six episodes. He is reliving over and over. He's failing over and over. And it is, you know, really poetic. And it's really sad that he's doing this for his friends. But partly selfishly, like, yes, he wants to save his friends, but he also wants to be with his friends. He doesn't want to be alone. He wants to be with them. But ultimately, that is what his fate is, to be alone to be the god of stories, to be at the end of time, just holding the multiverse together. That's not what he wants. Yes, he wants to save his friends, but he also wants to be with his friends. And that's what he's going to be for the rest of time. And then there's that speculation of the time stone. That's the one that's green, isn't it? The one that Doctor Strange had. Mm. Like, is that why it was green? Because now people are speculating this. Like, you know, chaos, is that why it was red because of Scarlet Witch? You know, he's, you know, retroactively, <laughs> is that what's really happening? 
was it Loki, you know, all along? But whether it is or whether it isn't, what we're getting in this show, like the moment in the in the finale where Loki's new outfit is revealed, it references his MCU journey from the giant horns emulating his past to his cape, consisting of the multiverse's branches representing his present. His helmet is made of the material from He Who Remains Citadel. He's the god of stories. And that's where he stays forever. I mean, wow. it, it sounds like the costume department had a grand day putting that all together. And, and barely, you know, because <laughs> again, it, there's so much poeticness to that all playing out. The like this season, right? Like with all the time travel stuff, it raises so many questions. Like we know. We know that the TVA sort of exists outside of time. We know that when Sylvie killed He Who Remains, um, basically it allowed for branches to basically exist. Like the the multiverse was pretty much allowed to happen. But how time works is that that event happened in, you know, like we're, we're viewing a timeline through Loki's perspective, but then... How does it all work? It's like time existed before and after and, you know, adjacent to and all of that. So it's like suddenly it's like all these multiverses are just poofed into existence. Like they've happened. They've already happened. They will happen. It's crazy. It's mind-boggling. Things that Loki's doing in this in this season in terms of like the time jumping, splitting, whatever it's called, the, you know, like when when everything sort of gets spaghettied, which was a dramatic bloody, you know, end to episode four. Oh my God, what happened to Victor? He's, well, he's gone. Um, and then he comes back. I mean, that felt as though it could have been the season finale. Like if they were oh, looking was... to continue this, you'd be like, what is even going to happen next week? Yeah, and... it was like, did the MCU just blow up? Like <laughs> <laughs> On the TV on? show that not everybody yeah, like, watches? Like, hmm. <laughs> like, you know, like... Is the Marvels really coming out, or are they going to announce? Actually, no, we can't because. But again, it it was really interesting. It was really interesting. That works, but again, you know, all the stuff with the loom and explaining that and timelines, the core thing. It's like these are high concept, crazy things. And I think season one was training for this season because I just ate all of that up so much more succinctly. Or they just delivered it in a way that I was like, "All right, cool. This is." This is working. We're You've got just... to imagine a, lo- a lot of discussion would have gone into whether or not they're even going to do a second season because it just right. wasn't the done thing at the time. So it's like, right, okay, so if we are going to do it, we can't just do it for the sake of it. Like We need to like, have a reason for doing it, so we need to map this out. And we've talked you know, on the that Film Studio News show about how Marvel are changing their approach. They're going to essentially approach TV shows like TV shows, have a showrunner, have a show Bible, and follow these mm. things to the letter, which is something they just haven't been doing. So maybe, you know, this is a sign of them doing that, like this, fully mapping something out. When when they came out and said that they, you know, they haven't been using showrunners, they just don't have that. They've been making these shows like movies. It made me go... Well, that makes sense because that's how it's felt. There's no, like, from from episode one to what seems to be episode six for, for most of them, it's like there isn't a smooth 
arc of a story. This is the first season where it's well, besides Wonder Bit, this is the first season that where it's like like as I look back and I'm like, okay, I can see the point of each episode, what story they're telling, how the story is progressing. I mean, episode five is probably the weakest just because it does kind of dance around a little bit, but it's it's quite informative in terms of filling in a bit of backstory and stuff for each of the characters. But other than that, it's a succinct, it's a synced like story with progression. It makes sense where everyone ends up. You believe that Loki is putting himself forward to volunteer for this in that last episode. The whole gag with like decades later, and he's now like probably one of the smartest in terms I know, of you know, with that though, like so you're watching the finale, and then straight away you're like, well, clearly. Victor is no longer going to be the one to do this because Loki knows everything he knows and more. And that mm. was at the beginning of the episode. So you did know at the beginning of the finale, that, okay, so Loki's clearly going to be the one well, to do it. For the most part, he was still, you know, he said like he kept trying again, 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 like however many bloody hundreds and thousands of times that he tried. Every single time it was about solving the problem with the loom and the bridge and getting Victor out there safely and so he can do it. And, the, you know, they achieve it. That, that that happens. And then we get that moment, you know, where Loki's reunited with, you know, he keep, he goes back further and further and he, he confronts he who remains to just be like, what the hell's going on? You know, he, he thinks that stopping Sylvie from initially killing him will solve the problem in, in, in the larger sense because none of this would unfold. And that's where it gets me thinking, like, he who remains is telling him, like, don't you think I know that this was all happening? So it's like, it was this always the plan, you know? Like, did he who remains, and I still am on the fence about whether it was a plan or not. Did he who remained know that Loki would eventually volunteer, take that throne, take that seat, leaving the multiverse to exist, leaving all the Kang variants to freely run around and do their thing with none of the Kang variants left to obviously gatekeep the the multiverse at the end of time. Like, maybe that was the plan the whole time and it blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it was me. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> maybe maybe it wasn't. It's like just going back to you know, the first actor we talked about was Tom Hiddleston. And his Loki, like just starting, you know, not going, you know, back to Thor, but just starting in season one of this show. The sacrifice he makes in the finale, there is absolutely no way he would have done that at the beginning of that first season. <laughs> Do you know? It's like, yeah. I love that we've got it's... to see this this character grow and and change, and and he's so far removed from where he was in the season one premiere. But you buy it, you don't question. I definitely it. buy that he'd do it. I'd buy that he'd do it. One one issue I've got, and again, I want to reiterate that I'm like I think it's such a beautiful way to end the series, the season, Loki's story for now. Um, fantastic however him walking out onto that bridge i don't care if you know he's been referred to as a god all that kind of stuff yeah he's got magic and you know he's obviously a lot more powerful and advanced than you know the average 
human Joe that's wandering around. I I still kind of fail to believe that he's he has the power to number one walk out onto that bridge and not get turned into spaghetti, but also then take that throne, hold the the threads of time, bring life into the timelines and like pretty much reboot them and stuff. I don't know. There's something missing there in terms of like, you know, like you said it, he's a, he's not even as guardian. Like he is, uh, and I forgot what he is. What is his species? Oh my <laughs> he's God. He's a frost giant. Okay. Frost just, just on that again, like, remember what I was saying that people criticize that first season because they seem to have depowered Loki. Now, it depends if you're looking, I guess you can't really look to the comics because where, you know, it's a TV show and it's a movie continuity. Mm. But even there, though, yes, he's a frost giant, but he was brought up as guardian. No, for sure. He was taught taught magic by his Asgardian. By his mom, Freya. So he knows Asgardian magic. But if you're looking at the, like, if we go back to the 60s, the first avengers comic and loki was the villain he was a trickster you know the god of mischief that's what he was so yes they've they've powered him up like they have with this but it does work though it does work i mean stepping out there it's really cool the horns the cape and all of that yeah power and i'm like yes i do get what you're saying but holding like, the threads together it is it is a like, lot how does he know how to do that how does he and don't tell me he's like, that in one of the tva books no <laughs> but as an audience member like i just i i buy his journey and his sacrifice and and everything else and it's that's what, what we watched about. you know the first guardians movie and peter quill he was floating in space like Hang on. That. Why is he not dead? He's human. <laughs> but then you find out in the second movie there's a reason why. But it, it's just one of those things, isn't it? And it's just cool. He's got the horns, the cape, and he's doing yeah. something that you wouldn't necessarily it's think he'd be capable of doing. And there's the sacrifice. Bit, you know, like he got he's the this is the guy that even though he's a trickster and he can manipulate people and control armies and mind control, all that kind of jazz, like he got smashed by the Hulk. Right? like tossed him around like a rag doll. He got stabbed by Thanos and died. Like it's not like Thanos punched him to death. He got stabbed and he died, just like any other mortal. You know, remember, I know right? Long, long <laughs> remember, times, but I said that Hiddleston originally auditioned for Thor. Of course, yeah. he lost out to Chris Emsworth. He was cast as Loki instead. Look at Loki now on TV, <laughs> and look at Thor. On the big screen. Wow. Ain't that true? Ain't that true? Hey, can I mention, you know how like you referred to him as the god of stories and a lot of people have been. However, the I've been looking into it. The the god of stories is more involved with actually being able to change things and rewrite stories and stuff. And I know Loki was pitching that in this season. He was like, I'm gonna rewrite my story, I'm gonna change all that. But he ultimately kind of failed to do that again, over and over again. He obviously does take his place holding the multiverse in his hands. But there's a character in Marvel Comics um, known as Atlas. And this character is the custodian of the multiverse. His task is basically to monitor various realities, keep them maintained, 
and prevent them from tumbling into the cosmic abyss. Right. Is that character more in line with where Loki is, or at least a part inspiration of what Loki is currently doing rather than the God of Stories? Because I've looked well, into know, the God of Stories character. Know, the thing is, though, right? position. when it comes to the MCU, they sometimes cherry pick and they will change things. Mm. Like I said before, in the comics, Victor Timely isn't a Kang variant. He's a yeah, completely yeah. different character. So although Atlas isn't spoken in this, but maybe that's what they've looked at in the comics. Because you know what? We'll take a bit of that for Loki. I mean, and again, this doesn't take away from the show itself because it's like the show doesn't refer to him as the God of Stories or Atlas or whatever, like either way. But I just think, you know, everyone's gone with, oh, he's the God of Stories. And it's like, and I know the Loki character in the comics, you know, became the God of Stories. I just feel like they haven't exactly painted that picture here well do you know it what? seems more like they've painted the atlas p- picture rather than the god we, stories we haven't had it yet but you know the documentary series marvel studios assembled it's been mm. around since february 2021 i did start watching them i, I haven't I watched it like hawkeye <laughs> i've not watched <laughs> them for a long time honestly i saw them as like in a little bit of an event. In fact, we used to hold off doing our reviews until specials came out just for like a little bit of extra information. Well, they usually came out a week later or something. Now they're like two, three months later. Yeah, well, November 29th, that's when we're getting the making of Loki Season 2. And maybe there... Yeah, but maybe there... I mean, I'm releasing this episode November 20th. so nine days ahead of the special. Mm. But maybe during that special, they will say, hey, listen, God of Stories, it's a thing. <laughs> and we'll be like, well, okay then. But uh, everybody, everybody's referring to him as the God of Stories. It's the, it's the done thing. But I am done with Marvel Studios Assembled, though. It was a great thing, like when... One division first came out. I was watching the TV ones and then they started doing them for the films. And I was less interested in those. And then I just fell fell behind. I did one of the ones that I did watch was the I definitely did watch the season one Loki assembled thing. That I would was have done. pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I did. I, I like watched them. I watched them until Tom and Owen Wilson, like their banter, even just as them as people. That's it's right. It's great to see. It, I did see it that really one. Carried over. I stopped. Show, but... I stopped at Shang-Chi. That was the last one right. that I watched. I've seen none of them, none of them since. But um, okay, Loki season two. If you're going to rate it out of five, I really, really enjoyed this season. I mean, again, you've heard me and the other guys, and and again, I wasn't on the She-Hulk episode, but. That was definitely the worst MCU Marvel Studios series. I liked it, but carry on. I know, it was shocking. But you know, like, not since WandaVision has it been, hey, the episode's ended, and I'm like, damn, give me that next episode. When is it next week? I mean, obviously, I know it's next week, but it's like, you know, we're waiting for it, anticipate, get to the day of, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to get home, get the kids to sleep, because I've got to watch that episode. Every season, every series after that has been, eh, I can wait. I don't, I got to a point where I wasn't even watching it on the day of release. I'd wait till like Sunday or Monday or something. And, you know, that's how I started to feel, you know, like they've been pretty 
going downhill. This was me back. I was got to the end of it, like that first episode this season. I was like, shit, like this is fun. This is crazy. Give me more. Eight, that was pretty much how it was every episode. And after episode four, it was, holy shit, that was the longest week of my life. I was genuinely, and I haven't felt this way about a TV show in a while, like, far out, like, I can't wait till that next episode. Like, give it to me. Give it to me now. Um, I think this was a fantastic season. It was fun. Some new characters that were just delightfully portrayed and executed. There's time travel shenanigans that are just bonkers, yet not like overwhelmingly ridiculous. Like there's still, I've still got questions and I'm trying to work things out, but they did some fun things with it. You know, like Loki was the one that pruned himself. Ooh, took a few episodes to get that reveal. And I was like, didn't see that coming. <laughs> it's fun. It's a fun show. There's so much more clearer direction and focus on what this season wanted to be and the story it wanted to tell. Um, and it really wrapped up Loki's story nicely. I'm going to give this a 4.5 out of 5. I, I did it. I really enjoyed this season, and it's been a long time. Not since, uh, yeah, not since WandaVision. Marvel Studios TV. Yeah, I I did like it. I did. But I really enjoyed the timey, whiny shenanigans of, of that first <laughs> season. <by> <laughs> I just, I really enjoyed, you know, all of that, you know, Kid Loki, Classic Loki, Richard D. Grant. Oh, there's so much to enjoy, and but but you're right, though. I mean, there's definitely more direction in in this second season. It has a beginning, middle, and end. You know that they're heading towards something. It's consistent. Episode four, where it ends, you know, all the spaghetti, everybody is, you know, disappearing. And then we got that episode five when we're getting, you know, the other identities of the characters or who, you know, who else they were. It does slow down a little bit, but that season four finale, having to wait a week and then another week for the final episode was fantastic. Really enjoyed watching as a weekly show, just not having the ability to press play on that next episode. You know, a lot of shows can be binged nowadays. Now, the next live-action Marvel show comes under the new Marvel Spotlight banner, and it is Echo. January 10th, all five episodes of that series will be released. Animation, we're getting What If Season 2. I'm thinking that's weekly, but it starts December 22nd. I just think this show benefited from being a weekly show because you're right. Like you get to the end of season or episode four, should I say? And it's like, has the MCU ended? Like what's going to happen after <laughs> this? It, it yeah. just, it was just really good. And you was excited for, for that next episode. So there was a lot to like, but again, like I enjoyed the silliness of season one. I really did. But then it's, you know, more grounded and, you know, the ensemble, you know, all the characters are brought together. There's so much to like about it. And Tom Hiddleston absolutely sells it. I was gutted for Sylvie because she was one of my favorite things about the first season. But we do get her again here, which is not working at Macca's. She gets to kick some ass. 
I'm going to come in at a four out of five on this one. I mean, it really is a great show. Like, it is. Like, season one, season two, put them both together. They are different, but there's a through line. And they've put out a really good Loki show. And again, at a time where we've got Thor, Love and Thunder on the big screen. And to be honest, Thor's a bit of a joke. (laughs) That is something for Marvel to sort out. Hopefully they can in time for a potential Thor 5. You know, like just talking, just last point on, um, you know, the weekly release. Now, for some reason, I don't know anyone else that's actually watching these weekly live anymore. Like, I don't know, the all my friends are not like us. So, so literally, it's just my wife, and she doesn't really like talking to me that much anymore. So, if not for this podcast, because I know we don't like to talk about the show until we get to here, and then we let all of our thoughts out but it would have been fantastic to have a conversation with you after each episode talking about what we were thinking and stuff that's how this show felt to me i was like man this in that week i just had my own thoughts theories and it would have been one of those conversational kind of things to get us ramped up leading into the next episode each week yeah so good I mean, it's something that doesn't happen as much anymore. You know, again, you know, so many shows you could just binge day of release, but those water cooler moments and the season, I keep saying season, the episode four end was like, what happens next? Like, what what is next week going to be? It really is like a really good season of television. It's really, really good. Well, that's it for our episode all about Loki Season 2. If you want to contact us about this episode or request a topic for an upcoming show, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. Jason, thanks for being on the show today. It was my glorious purpose to be here, I suppose. As always, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.